Welcome to Step Back 3. I'm your host, Tristan. I'm joined today by a myriad of people, so we'll go around and introduce ourselves. Uh, starting with Pete. Yep, Pete here. Kevin. Guy. Cats. Hey, man. BJ. Yo. Asher. Catchphrase. They are all here. Good job with the catchphrase there to talk about the Blackhawks. Uh, we're going to break down the series so far, but specifically Game 2, which we just got done with here. And if time allows, we'll break into some baseball talk through 10 games as well. But uh, we'll see where we're at. We are decidedly not going to talk about the Bulls, because the less said about them, the better. <laughs> so, segment one, let's talk about the Hawks. All right, so we have one more person that is joining us by phone here, so say Special hi. Special guest. Yeah, say hi, Connell. Yeah, yeah, I'm here. He's How is here. everybody? I hope everyone's good. Great Hawks win. Yeah. Woo! So the Hawks won three to two in controversial fashion. So we're going to break down with wait three to two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the Blues scored a goal with two seconds left. Uh, Son of a bitch. <laughs> this is a family show, Kyle. <laughs> All the Chick-fil-A endorsements are gone. It's not, it's not advised. Let, let's try and keep it PG-13 at least. So, where do we want to start here? Let's talk about how we feel about the series right now, going back home, tied 1-1. Oh. Connell, go ahead. I feel great about this. This is exactly what we needed to do. We needed to take one from them. That's bottom line. We had to take one from them at home. Uh, just because all the pressure's on them. They're back on their heels right now. They're nervous. You could tell because as soon as we scored to go up 2-1, to one, they were, Ken Hitchcock called a, a challenge after they had already reviewed it. You could tell they just, they were nervous about it. It's the perfect place for the Blues to be. Anytime the Blues are nervous, it's exactly where we want them to be. We are in their heads. Like, that is just oh, yes. something that has been true true for years. I just want them to win one more, and the Blues will not be able to get out of that mental hole. Yeah, like, I mean, self implode. That, that goal came from a power play after Tarasenko was just mad because they took his goal away. Like, that yeah. was, like... <laughs> the slash? Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, you know, and that that's exactly what ended up causing the whole thing to go to backfire, so... Yeah. I, think it, I think it's great because, if nothing else, this highlights just... Like, the absolute dichotomy between these two teams, right? I mean, the Hawks are the epitome of that mentally strong, mentally tough team. Go back to 2013 and Game 7 against the Red Wings having to win Game 7 twice, right? They don't fold under pressure. They rise up to the occasion. Whereas the Blues, the second something goes wrong, they're just waiting for the just the, the, the Jenga to just come tumbling down, right? And they do that. They shoot themselves in the foot. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's, it's exactly what's what's going on right right now with this series. They're they're nervous. We're in their heads, and uh, you you can just see them. This is a perfect uh, analogy. Is the Jenga tower just tumbling down right in front of us? <laughs> the fun the fun thing is still like Kane hasn't done anything yet, and you just mm. just wait till he shows up for the series at home here. Oh yeah. What's well, the whole thing about the St. Louis Blues? I mean, they got. This go, you know, these goals that just taken away, and then this game just that they thought they had. It was all them, and they're claiming the refs are against him. And then they also have this thing like they can't get past that first round. 
you know, the whole St. Louis thing. And so it's just weight on top of weight on top of weight. And it's just going to start just getting pressure and pressure on them. And they're going to come home and they're just to the United Center and just And Jenga! Jenga! At the same time, I do want to say, like, they had a lot of great shots and great chances. Crow played amazingly oh, tonight. Yeah. Like, two goals does not do him justice. Because the, the first goal was basically a, a two-on-one set up by a bad defensive player with Osoval. And the other one yeah, was, he, with two seconds left, it didn't matter. So, But other than that, he was incredible. And if they'd gotten a couple more of those chances and converted, it'd be a whole different game, a whole different series. So, I, you know, they, they were making good chances. We can't take them too lightly, is what I'm saying. I, I agree. They've got this record but of, of falling apart, and we've got, got them where we want them in some ways, but uh, Crow bailed us out tonight a lot of times. Oh, my God, he was amazing. In, in, uh, it was pre-game. There was an interview between uh, between Ken Hitchcock and then and then the press also <laughs> interviewed Joe Quinville and they, yeah. they asked what, what what the Blues strategy was and Ken Hitchcock said, "Well, we hit them forty one times in game one. This time we're going to aim up to the seventies." <laughs> yeah, and Quinville said. I hope they hit us 70 times. That'll mean that we have the puck the entire game. Yeah. <laughs> it shows such a fundamental misunderstanding of the way hockey is played now. Like, That's I, the yeah. microcosm right there. Everybody knows that is that you don't want to win the hits category, except yeah. for the Blues. Well, and two, I mean, I feel like ever since 2010, every single playoff run, there's always minimum one to two teams that's just like, you know what, we're just going to beat up the Hawks. We're just going to out-physical them and just... Hit them to hell and back, and they'll wear down, and it never works. Never. The Ducks, the Blues, the Wild did it. The Kings do it. Everyone tries to just beat the Hawks with brute force, and they always and they keep going back to the well, and it doesn't bear bear fruit. Well, it worked really well for the Ducks last last year in the playoffs when they (laughs) when they said they were going to out hit the Hawks, and then comes Game Seven, and Kessler, Ryan Kessler, before Game Seven says uh, that. We've got them right where we want them. We've hit them enough times that now they're going to buckle under all of our hitting. That we we've gotten them into a place where where they're they're just going to. He didn't he didn't say this exact word, but basically surrender. You got to enjoy the irony of the. You got to enjoy the irony of the Ducks in a game seven saying we've got them right where we want them because. Yeah, we've hit them enough times. Now they're weak enough that we can win game seven. And, yeah, that didn't exactly work out for the Ducks. So I, I don't know what that strategy is, because in Game 1, when they when they had 41 hits on them, they also, the Blues had three shots in Period 3. Or, sorry, two shots right. in Period 3. Granted, they won that game because the overtime, they gave up that strategy and just playing hockey. Uh, but yeah, no, it's a silly strategy. I mean, hockey is not just about out hitting the other team. You have to outscore the other team. This is this is back to like John Madden. <laughs> you actually have to score more points than the other team, and then you have a good chance at winning the game. Well, and another thing I think I like about the Hawks for that is the idea of making adjustments. That's why I trust their coaching staff so much. Is that from game one when they lost and they couldn't get anything going, they made adjustments. I mean, it's as simple as going to the net in some ways for what they did today. I know they got a little dirtier. They, they used the word in the post game a bunch of times, greasy. And that's what I trust the Hawks to do is whatever someone throws at them, and it's so often 
let's throw extra hitting at them. Let's just hit them as hard as we can. The Hawks find a way to adjust to just take that and roll with it and then find a way to turn to their advantage. I think That's a lot of, I trust. Yeah, and a lot of that comes down to, I feel like, their leadership. I mean, you talk, a lot of people talk about, like, the turnover that the Hawks have had to deal with. You know, you lose, like, Bufflin in, two, in 2010. You have your fair share of players last year. And yet, they just keep coming back. I mean, does that not speak to Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane? You know, like, yeah, and they're in Q. The core. Yeah. yeah. What speaks to Q's, like, coaching style? He knows that, hey, we need fast players who can handle the puck, who knows how to get time for possession. They don't want guys who are big guys who just get big breaths, and that's why not, you know, uh, Bickle's not playing. You know, Bickle is a bigger guy. He's going to get the guy who's going to do hits, but he's not playing because that's not our style of play now. Our style of play is more quick, decisive passes, time of possession, and keep getting shots on the goal. And hence why, yeah, they'll always beat us in the hitting game, but... Who cares? <laughs> well, two. Every team tries to beat us in the hitting game, and it doesn't work. Well, another thing too that's great that's just so much fun about the Hawks. And I was reading, I was reading an article with um, Panarin about this. Uh, side note, kind of. I don't know if you knew this, but uh, for the game, for game uh, one and two, uh, Artemi changed his last name to a St. Louis Bread Company from Panarin. Um, <laughs> but uh, St. Louis Bread Company was talking about how. He was really excited to come to the Hawks because they play a Russian style of hockey, which is that puck possession game, right? They're not trying to just bruise and muscle guys. They're going to try and hold on to the puck for 20, maybe 30 seconds out of possession and then shoot. Um, that And that's totally in line with a classic Russian style of play, which is one of the reasons he wanted to come here. I, ju- I just got that joke, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Processing. That, that, mean, that means oh, you don't travel to St. Louis very often, and I'm very jealous, and you're a lucky man. So yeah. that's a good thing. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, the equipment. If you go down there, you get really confused. Right. No, I've I've seen it enough. Yeah, you don't need to. You don't need to see it anymore. I'm, I actually have to jump off here. All right. But that was our. Uh, thanks for. Win. Thanks for calling us from jail. <laughs> yes. I'm hopefully going to get bailed out here soon. I think Andrew will be my savior. All right, well, let's move on to segment two, and we're going to talk a little baseball here because somehow both of our teams are off to eight and two starts. I don't know how you Southsiders are doing it. But Witchcraft. Yeah. Uh, we, pl- we did play the Twins, and yeah. while and while we and while the White Sox did have an awful record against the Twins and the rest of the AL Central in 2015, this year against the two bottom teams in the AL Central, the Cleveland Indians and Minnesota Twins, White Sox have gone 5-1. Uh, five and six, five and one. You know, it was a mental hump. I mean, like, the Twins had our number last year, and it's, it's hard to get over that. And then us coming out of the gates, facing the Twins, and yeah, they are winless, but you know, it's still early in the seasons that anything can happen and we just came out and just sweeped them it was a great feeling and it's like hey we finally got over a mental hump so yeah it's great to see the Sox 8-2 and two right now but it's still early in the season so I'm going to kind of wait and see alright I think we've met our White Sox quota <laughs> oh <laughs> alright I'm, I'm sorry you guys had to listen to that uh, 30 seconds of boring White Sox talk but we're really how long to 40 minutes of Drake LaRoche talk <laughs> we're, we're really going to talk about leader of the team we're going to okay? talk about the Cubs and their plus 38 run differential and <laughs> 
just how many exciting things. Yeah, that'll end it for uh, segment two where Katz and Kevin talk about the White Sox. So let's, uh, <laughs> let's talk about the Cubs. How are we feeling right now? What's your What's your optimism scale on, we'll go from one to ten here. I guess I'll start because everyone's looking at me, but you're on radio, so you can't hear that or see that. Um, optimism scale, I would say it's it's got to be a nine right now. Right, there. This team has a plus what thirty four, thirty eight, thirty eight right now. Okay, so look, let's let's look at this in in like let's compa- let's compartmentalize this. We're at a plus thirty eight run differential. Rizzo and Bryant aren't really hitting that much right now. They're not hitting that many home runs. They're just hitting. They're mm-hmm. seeing an absurd amount of pitches. They're drive. They're averaging. I think the uh, the starters against them are averaging eighty eight pitches in four and two thirds innings. Right. So they're running up pitch counts. They're seeing a ton of pitches, and their boppers, their their guys that are the power mashers, aren't even they haven't hit their stride yet, right? It's still early on, but they're pitching well. Their bullpen has been phenomenal, and their batting and 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 their 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 lineup has been hitting top to bottom without the usual suspects. I mean, Bryant's hitting around two hundred as is Chris Bryant. Um, I mean, sorry, Rizzo's hitting around two hundred as is Chris Bryant. Beg your pardon. So I mean, and. At the end of the day, you've got a very deep team that can keep rolling out players. And come July, if they need to go out and get another bet, if they need to get another pitcher, their farm system <clears throat> and their team is still absolutely stacked to do that. So, yeah, I'm sitting at about an 8 right now. Oh, there's a 9. Uh, sitting at about a 9 right now. Okay. I wanted to talk about the uh, walk thing because that is something that we can expect them to sustain over the whole season. And Mm -hmm. right now, the Cubs are on pace to shatter their own mark for walks in a season and approach the major league record. I don't know if that's still true after today. That was was before today's game. But they're just walking at a ridiculous pace, which is great to see. And for a long-time Cubs fan, I mean, this is... The anti-Cubs team I've had watching my whole life, right? At least for the Henry years, the most recent seasons, they were not an on-base team. They were swing early, swing hard, and just crush the ball as much as you can. Whereas now, I remember when we got Kosuke Fukudome, it was like watching an alien well, take walks. They figured out that the mark I was talking about was 2008, I believe, is when the Cubs set the record, their own record for walks, and... I wish I had the numbers off the top of my head here, but it was a pretty good number. Now, in those playoff years, they had figured it out. They were taking a lot of walks, and then, you know, we kind of we brought up Castro and, like, <laughs> lost. So He's always had, better, so we better had Things to. like that, so. Right. It was, it was also, it was, it was more of a dependent on the individual. Like, there was not necessarily the comprehensive organizational strategy like with clear directors yes. from Madden coming mm-hmm. down right. to have people be on the same page. You know, if we had a guy who liked to take a lot of pitches the guy behind him might be swinging at the first pitch, which is totally counterproductive for the guy who's like taking pitches. So, I mean you can have, you know not everybody has to be on the exact you know exact same approach at the plate, but you know, to have a, a comprehensive strategy and to hear like interviews with Madden where he's checking in with guys like before they go up to the plate like he said repeatedly that like that's one of his the issues that was keeping Solaire from getting more playing time mm-hmm. was that like mm-hmm. when he would come in check in with Solaire and ask him like you know like what's this pitcher going up against like what's the scouting report and he wouldn't be on top of 
like the mental game like that. So, you know, he's looking for his guys to be sharp and to and to be focused. So, it's a you know I, I'd say I, I'm also right up there at a nine. Yeah, I guess I'll, I'll go next. I mean, I I want to say nine, but I'm trying to control myself. So it's not that I don't want to say nine. It's that I I think I have to say seven so that I don't get myself too caught up. To I don't know. I, I just got to start Born off. Born lover. I just got to start <laughs> off low because it's it's a long season. It's ten games. Mm-hmm. At the same time, even over those ten games, it's Solaire. Uh, he even in the last few games, he's seen more pitches and done better. Right. So, like, I can already see that shift of, like, he wasn't starting off the way that the coaching staff wanted him to, and he's shifted a little bit and already hit quite a bit better and done better. So, I mean, quite a bit. Over ten games, you know, it's not enough yet. But uh, I'd say mine is a seven or an eight, just just because I'm trying to hold myself in check. Because I know they're going to have lulls. Eight and two every ten games isn't going to work. But, you know, they're exciting. I'm just trying to hold myself back. I, I'm i also an eight. I definitely have to knock myself down a point because of Schwarber. Because mm. it, we're going to feel that sooner rather than later. Like when Dex stops OPSing <laughs> a thousand something. You know, like it's it's going to be a little bit harder to. He's batting 500. Yeah. He's, uh, he's been ridiculous, and it's uh, it probably not going to sustain that and put, a, and put all of Ted Williams' records to shame. So <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking that we're going to miss Schwarber at some point this year, so that's going to be a big problem. The thing the thing about the lineup, though, where I, I think missing somebody like Schwarber hurts their team less than it would with others is not just the depth, but the way that their lineup works is that Without having those we without having like any weak spots really, um, they wear teams down. So like even though Schwarber you know does have the big bat and we're definitely gonna miss that. I mean, there's guys who are who you know when you miss one guy, the rest of the team has to step up. So you know we're looking at Russell hitting a bunch more home runs than he hit last year. Hopefully Solaire can hit more home runs than he was hitting last year. A lot of guys. I mean, Brian. It's a very low bar. For yeah, Solaire he's already got well, well, nine more to go to match. Yeah. Right, but I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, you've got guys stepping up who are not just you know getting more playing time, but are you know improving as they're getting maturing as major leaguers. So that's true. The scariest thing about the Cubs other teams should be the fact that just how young this lineup is. They mm-hmm. they are all going to be improving for the next few years. Well, and two, I mean, they have the absolute perfect tailor made manager for this modular team that Theo and Jed have given him, right? I mean, Katie was asking me the other day, like, who usually bats, Katie's my fiance, who usually bats third in the Cubs lineup, because that's ideally your best hitter, and I was like, honey, I have no idea. Some days it's Ben Zobrist, some days it's Rizzo, right? Some day, I mean, some days you'll... I think Rizzo's been clean up every game this year Yeah, it's been Zobrist and Bryant so far. But yes, good point, exactly. But I, I think the point about yeah, this this lineup gives no let up that we're going to miss Schwarber for sure in terms of his power and just game changing ability. But at the same time, the people we do have to put in there instead, everyone grinds. That's mm-hmm. what the coaching staff is giving is that maybe they're not going to hit as many home runs as Schwarber. They're not going to be as scary in a sense right. as Schwarber in terms of game changing. But they'll be part of that rolling through a lineup that never lets up. Mm-hmm. Even, I mean, even the pitchers that want to talk about it right. <laughs> recently. They're but that, like that, the person we're going to plug in isn't going to be a, a letdown. It just won't be, have as much power. Yeah, right. And I know this isn't a super major aspect, but it's important to remember this as well, that 
in terms of these human beings that are sports players that Wrigley Field now has an actual batting cage. They now have an actual video room. I'm serious. They have in their clubhouse. Yeah. Yes, like in their clubhouse, so they can go back and new, watch their new locker room. Yeah, I super mean, pimp. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the, but it, just having those facilities, just like they didn't used to have that. It's pretty like basic stuff. Big time morale boost for the Cubs. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, White Sox fans, would you, like, would you like to give us your confidence no, I'm good. I'm, I'm or staying, optimism? I'm yeah. saying switching. No, I meant here. for the White Sox. Like, oh, what's, what's your what do White you mean, Sox optimism? What do you mean by optimism? Are you, are you talking about like what's your level of optimism that they that they win it that they win a World Series? I, yes. You think you have you you feel like you have a ninety percent chance? No, 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 not a percent chance. How excited like, are you? How like are you? on the scale from one to ten? Like mm-hmm. what? Like how do you feel about your team right now? I feel, I feel great. I mean, they're, I'm not, their hitting is like is definitely like a lot of holes in their hitting. Their catcher, they don't have like a good off. Like, there's a big hole in their off their offensive capabilities. But their bull, the thing I feel like I'm most excited about for the White Sox is their bullpen. Yeah, Albers yeah. has been fantastic. David Robertson has oh, five yeah. saves. Still, I mean, again, like Pete said earlier, still waiting for the other shoe to, you know, maybe the other shoe to drop, so I'm not trying to get too excited. They rubbered some help in my fantasy team out. I'll get they do play, and they do, unlike the Cubs, they play in a very weak division. And they do play with, the, you know, the defending World Series champs, the Royals, but they've gotten, I feel like they've gotten a little weaker. They regressed a little bit. You can make an argument that the AL Central is AL just as, I mean, I... The NL Central is probably still the strongest division in baseball, but the AL Central is probably the deepest division the, in the American League. Well, I wouldn't say actually, the strongest. Yeah. I think it's really competitive with the Sox, the uh, Tigers, yeah, and that's, the, that's the Royals. Which you say was the best? You, you thought? Oh, yeah. the Central. Oh, you guys. And which Central? Wait, the NL well, Central. NL Central. NL Central is one. The yeah. one where you went ninety-seven games. No, that's what I'm saying. Okay, I want to make sure we were that's the one. But I, I was debating between AL Central and AL East for the strongest in the AL. I guess it mm-hmm. depends what the Rays and the Yankees end up doing here. Yeah, well, they have a White Sox have a great, great pitching staff. Again, um, that's one thing that I feel like they do well, like consistently. Well, right now, our ERA is second best in the MLB. Cubs have number three, don't they? Yeah, Cubs have three. Uh, Nationals is number one. So, I mean, our pitching is is has always been strong, and now finally we got a great minus Danks. But you know, we really got. He's your fifth star. He's our fifth star. It's not bad. So, what's your excitement level? Five. Well, five. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited. I'm really excited, but it's still early. You know, That's a solid F, cats. <laughs> yeah. Hey, look, man. So what's I your mean, number? I mean, uh, it's very. I mean, I'm excited that the Cubs are doing really well. It's really cool. I love it. Look, I am. It's awesome to see the city kind of come alive on baseball because I love baseball and I love that everybody's getting into it and really going to it. I love it a lot. And look, hey, look, as a Sox fan, I am excited to see where we're going, but. I know year after year the Sox are always, you know, we make. You guys will laugh all you want. What is the I number think, that you As have a White Sox fan, you're not so good with numbers. So. <laughs> Give us your excitement the level. Will so he loves numbers. <laughs> I know. You can't get him a number. He just gets so annoyed. It's, one, it's something out of 10. <laughs> I'm at a. I would say I'm at a 7 right now. Okay. I'm excited, but it's still early. Fair. All right. Good. Okay. So that's. What we're looking for from there. Does anybody have anything else you want to add about... I I feel like the... uh, We joked about talking about Drake LaRoche before, but he's (laughs) obviously been... uh, Part of the reason why you guys have that hole in the bat out... Hole 
gone out of your lineup now. Like he's oh, yeah. not to mention thirteen oh, million dollars. That's yeah. actually okay. I'm totally. I mean, so I, that's I what I'm saying. Really like, yeah, I feel no, really no, bad for that Drake. Been taken that's a out really yeah. is, that's a really crummy situation for a kid. However, I do feel like Adam LaRoche was a very big hole in the White Sox lineup. Right. I understand they have a big hole at catcher, but. You Adam better off, right? Not. Yeah, I feel like I, addition, know, I think Navarro is pretty good. By Avila is not bad either. I think you know their catching is. They're both of them are better than Tyler Flowers. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like, are they? Like, yeah, Tyler Flowers is on the yeah. way with Gordon Beckham. A sack of potatoes would be better than Tyler Flowers. <laughs> uh, I don't really. I, miss I, I AJ like them both. Zinsky. I like them both. Yes, of course, I miss AJ. I still Ooh, take it. No, that, I told Not you we can't it. swear on this podcast. Saying I miss AJ, I miss AJ Brzezinski is like swearing. one of the most vulgar things I, you can possibly say. Like, I you know say what? I like, he's a player. I, like just... I said that announcer that we all don't like. Okay, <laughs> look, he's a player that if he was on your team, you guys would love him because he's a great clubhouse guy mm-hmm. and Maybe he's a anymore. smart baseball player. Okay. But, um, okay. Yeah. I, I, I'll succeed to the Cubs. I no. I'd like. I think. Uh, I think a, a really fun exercise right now would be if everyone participating in the podcast and anyone that would like to call in from our uh, listeners um, would like to say I'm the, on their prospective team right now. Live. <laughs> um, he doesn't know. Let him keep going. So you'll notice by the shirt that I'm wearing, uh, it's got the thing on now. Um, I think it'd be cool if everyone around here on their prospective team. Said the one player on their team this season so far that has impressed them the most. That's a good Do you idea. Have anyone uh, in Asher, mind? how about you go first? Um, <coughs> yeah, I didn't think about that. I mean, I know it's, I know it's, it's, it's the lowest hanging fruit and it's easiest, but Dexter Fowler, uh, especially after his off season when nobody wanted to sign him, he was the forgotten man in the free agent market. Right? He had. Yeah, I didn't want to sign him. <laughs> Baltimore wanted to sign him. But they didn't. Not they, for the draft pick and like the money cost. Like it definitely, they there should have been a bigger that. market for it. But teams are realizing it. It was a problem all over baseball that if you sign players away, you're losing you're your draft pick. Pedro Alvarez, yeah. yeah, and they're hit forty plus home runs, and nobody wanted to give him a job last yeah, year. Yeah, it's it's become a huge deterrent against signing free. Yeah. those like mid level free agents like Dexter Fowler, where it's not where you have to measure whether. Losing a high draft pick is worth it, and that definitely is something that they need to address soon because that's like you're kind of screwing over your veterans here. So yeah, I would say um, you know the easy slam dunk is Dexter Fowler, but underrated um, uh, Hector Rondon has been absolutely filthy in his games he's played this season. He's got some help from the umpires, obviously, but his fastball has been alive, and he has been. Dominant in that ninth inning, so I go. Dex one, Hector Rondon one a. Tristan, the my first thought was Jason Hamill, who has two starts and throwing two really good games out of those two starts. He's looked pretty solid. He, he's walked a few more people than we like, but he's gotten out of jams every time. So and we, we kind of expect this from Jason Hamill early in the year. Like, hopefully, he can keep it going through July and August this year. But he's been, he looked very sharp to start the year, and I'm happy about that. Uh, I was tempted to do one and one a as well with uh, Miguel Montero, mm-hmm. who is also looking at pitches really well and just making solid contact. So I would I would say Montero would also be a very pleasant surprise. Additional points to Jason Hamill's beard. 
That might be one 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 B because <laughs> it's looking good. He also looks very skinny. He looks like he lost some weight. He looks very like fit and ready to go. Bro, six six man, he's lean. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm gonna steal who I thought you were gonna say. Uh, Addison Russell has just been impressive. Mm. I mean, I, I his defense is just always spectacular. I've got to check out some of the replays that. Uh, uh, BJ was telling me about, but uh, what I've seen has just been great, smooth, and just the power. I mean, the power and just the hitting. I know he doesn't hasn't got it all there yet. He hasn't gotten the average up yet. He's starting off a little bit slow, but just some big moments. If they're in home run, I mean, just sticks in my mind. It's just hard not to be so impressed by that. Like, big moment wins a game. For a young kid. A too. young kid. I mean, First 22, right? right? First pitch. Yeah. Uh, this stuff is just really fun to watch. So he just impressed me. It just sticks in my mind, the things he's done. I personally didn't pick Addy because it would be cliche for <laughs> me with how big of a man crush I have on him. Uh, so but I appreciate you passing to me. That's nice. Thing. It's also, like, he, there's definitely, he's had some very nice at-bats, but he's also had some really bad ones. Like True. There, there have been a few times he's gone up and just kind of, like, hacked at everything when they, definitely the situation would have called for taking some pitches, you know. So mm. I... I want to see a little bit better play discipline from him, but I'm still like I I love him. I'm glad he's gonna be our shortstop. I know you're not disagreeing time. with me. I his, yeah. his game is just so smooth, right? Like yeah. when we got him, I remember you know you know when when we're looking at a prospect, you know, there's always the what's what's the best what's the best best case scenario comp, right? What's the one player like if he hits a ceiling and he's gonna play like? And I kept hearing Barry Larkin. I'm thinking to myself like if the Cubs somehow just traded for. 80% of Barry Larkin, I would be... I'd learn how to do cartwheels, and I'd start doing cartwheels. I'd be so happy. I don't know if he'll ever have Barry Larkin's offense, but I, he'll... He's has, smooth. He'll be better at Everything offense. he does is smooth. He's, he's velvet. He's got, he's, got, he's got such good range, and he is so um, so quick. Like, a, with, from the ball, getting the ball out of his hands. Transfer. Yeah. I, I saw a... Um, Article that was about how he takes the most efficient lines to balls than any other shortstop in the National League. Like just, I like that. He angles good. Yeah, how how he'd his run, instincts are really. He run real good. <laughs> uh, Kevin, you're up. So I know what Cass is going to say, and of course I'm going to do White Sox, not the Cubs. That's because that's your we perspective. Team. That was the point of the section. Oh, I'm sorry, I haven't been paying attention. And so, um, <laughs> uh, so I know what Cass is going to say. So I'm not going to take his, but mine is going to be a former Cub, and it's going to be Austin Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a big glaring hole in our outfield, and we put him at center field, and he a def- defensively in center field, he's been great. But what he provides offensively is what I'm really liking. And he's been hitting the ball really well. He's been getting in scoring positions. And um, he's been doing some great running uh, batters in. I mean, scoring batters in as well. And I'm really liking his production. And so this guy's been really kind of... And I know he was our big acquisition well, with Frazier and Lowry as well. But I'm really liking what Austin Jackson bringing and uh, it's great that he just kept in Chicago and he just took that little red line south and uh, and joined the White Sox and uh, joined the right team and it's <laughs> hard uh, but uh, yeah that's uh, that's my guy that I, uh, that I've been I'll say really I'm, impressed with I'm glad Austin Jackson has a starting job like I think he deserved yeah. one it, it would have been I would have loved to see him come back but I wouldn't have there was obviously wasn't a spot for him in our outfield so oh, yeah. I'm glad he is starting somewhere I mean, also his contribution in in the wake of the massive crater of leadership that Drake LaRoche left on this team, it was nice to see Austin Jackson come in and fill, 
you know that that core leadership role on that in, for that for that franchise. I mean, just just the team. Like I'm talking like management, upper office, everything. You know, that's <laughs> right. who's your he's the glue. Who's your guy? Oh, it's going to be Chris Sale. Come on. Oh, <laughs> I did, so great. I thought you were going to say uh, uh, Matt Lattos. Matt, uh, yeah, he's been, he, I think he's been the biggest surprise, but I'm still just still continuously true. impressed by Chris. I mean, yeah. He threw a one, uh, like a one nothing shutout tonight, complete game. Two hitter. His, yeah, two hitter, zero walks, nine strikeouts. His first two starts, uh, seven innings, three innings pitched. And his motion, he continues to have that wild, that like, Randy Johnson esque motion and it's recorders. He's great. Yeah. He's the reason. Like I mean, he's the reason I feel like White Sox still go to White Sox fans still go to the park every five days is see Chris Sale pitch. I need him. I need him to pitch a little bit worse so he lowers his trade value to a point where uh, Solera and Baez might make sense <laughs> <laughs> through a p- few pitching prospects in there. Yeah, I don't. I mean, the Whites. Uh, I don't think Chris Sale's going anywhere. Mainly oh, I because think he's, he's a franchise player yeah, for sure. That's he's why I need him to pitch worse. I need him to start. <laughs> he's got a hometown. He's got a hometown deal. John. Yeah, Mays, yeah. Say, they're, they're not gonna. <laughs> he's got a, such a great deal going. Again, on. Right? <laughs> he's obviously he worth it right now. It's worse. <laughs> so, awesome trivia. Uh, back to Matt Latos. Um, I don't know if you guys knew this, and I swear to God I'm not making this up. Apparently, he has a pet cat, and the cat's name is Cat Latos. <laughs> nice. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. Okay. That's awesome. That is awesome. Um, that is awesome. Speaking of awesome. <laughs> who's, your, who's, your, who's your pick? Right. Uh, I, I was um, thinking really hard about it, and then Cat's uh, just reminded me that we didn't talk about how awesome Jake Arrieta is. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's also awesome. Yes, he's he's insane. I mean, he just came out he came out of the gate looking like you know he was just going to resume pitching better than like you know like he the form he had last year in the second half, which was better than any pitcher in the history of baseball, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, and I love the fact that he's bought into Madden's idea of like coming out after seven innings, and you know, even though he had the shutout going in the first game, I mean, just coming out like that and setting the tone is so important um, on an opening day. You know, to have a team be on a roll the way that we were, you know, I really think that helped uh, with the young team uh, get the confidence going. But um, so, just as a side note too, I, I'm really impressed with Jason Hayward. Um, I know the results haven't really been coming for him at the plate, um, particularly today. He he didn't have some great at bats, but nobody really did. Um, but he, his approach at the plate is exactly you know what we want behind Fowler. He's taking more pitches at the top of the lineup. Um, he's making great plays in right field. Um, you know from all. Everything you know, it seems like he just fits in with the guys, which is really hard to do coming in as a free agent with a big, you know, a big price tag. It can be difficult to sort of settle in. But you know, I haven't heard anything. It seems like everybody's getting along, and the, the clubhouse looks great. So um, I'm I'm happy with him and Zobrist, but uh, particularly with uh, Hayward on defense for sure. It definitely fills a huge hole out there. He's fun to watch out and right, isn't he? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm I'm happy with him too. Like I know the hitting is going to come with him. Right. So, yeah, he's been a gr- everything that we need him to be so far. So hopefully he can the hitting will start following too. Yeah, I mean he's had. I mean he's he's been patient at the plate. Um, he's made good contact a couple times and gotten unlucky. Um, it'll it'll turn around. 
All right. Um, I think I'll wrap it up for this one. We will be back to talk a little bit more about basketball next time. We got some playoff predictions to make, so we'll see you then.